Well, as I said, we are still looking at um, this whole miracle that took place in Acts chapter 3. A, a crippled man. He was crippled for 40 years. And he gets healed. We learned that his healing was amazing. And his healing touched so many lives. In fact, we, re- we read in our reading that the whole of Jerusalem was amazed at this 40-year-old man who encountered Jesus. Changed. And um, was amazing. And you know something? Sometimes when you get someone who encounters Jesus, others change around you. On... Um, on Wednesday night, John was doing some teaching. It was a really in, in, encouraging meeting. And um, one of our brothers, I think he's here today, Abbe, shared a testimony. He told us that he was born in a Muslim family. But as he grew up, he became a born-again Christian. And though he had opposition, those who saw that he was a born-again Christian began to take notice. And both of his sisters came to faith. In Jesus Christ. You see it's amazing. You don't know when you encounter Christ. How that is going to affect those around you. And it happened to this man. This this crippled man. He encountered Jesus in an amazing way. And the whole of Jerusalem was speaking about him. Well Peter and John were arrested. And they were arrested, and one of the reasons for their arrest was because they were speaking about the resurrection. Look what we read in our Bible reading. They were greatly disturbed, that's the leaders, because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. In fact, Peter, later on in his trial, declared very cleanly, clearly, that what had happened to this man, what was seen, was the power of God. And the power of God displayed in that man was because of the resurrection of Jesus. That God raised him from the dead. Look what Peter says um, to the, um, the council. Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. I want to tell you, the resurrection is so crucial to the Christian faith. It's so fundamental, such a corner piece. The resurrection, without the resurrection, we have no hope at all. In fact, it was so important that Jesus turned up a second time to speak to Thomas. He came to Thomas and said, Thomas, you weren't here last week when I came after I rose from the dead. I'm coming here today again to speak to you specifically, but I want you to know I want you to take your hands and place it on my side and in my, I want you to stop doubting and believe. Why? Because the resurrection is fundamentally so important that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. You know, I was, I was never a great swimmer. I used to take my children um, to the swimming baths. They were quite young, under 10. 
I wasn't too sure if they were looking after me or if I was looking after them um, in the swimming bath. I was really terrible at swimming. And Benjamin and Joseph would say, Dad, we're going to the deep end. They're not the deep end. Because I was hanging on for dear life at the shallow end. But, you know, I always remember, I'm not, when, I, when I was younger, um, you get grades. And, and I got the grade to swim my width. That's all I got by grade. That's my crown of glory. I, you know, I swam my width and I got a certificate. But when you, when you swim your length, you get another certificate. And then when you get to grade three, it's quite amazing. What they do is, a group of my friends in my class, the teacher got them to the deep end and he got a brick and he threw the brick into the deep end. And they had to dive in in their pajamas and get to the bottom of the deep end and get the brick and bring it up again. Man, I thought these kids were amazing. I stood in awe of them, you know, and um, they, they, were, they were incredible kids. But just imagine, just imagine, just supposing the teacher took those group of kids and took them on a ship into the Atlantic Ocean. Right in the middle of the ocean, the ship stops, and he takes not a brick, but a golden bar. And he says to them, you see that golden bar, kids? I'm going to throw it over the sea, and I want you to jump in and retrieve it. And so he throws it over into the deep sea. I can guarantee you none of these kids will want to jump in and dive. But just supposing someone on that ship turns up and he stands at the edge and he takes out off his outer garments, he takes off his pajamas or his clothes and he dives in into the sea. And then after he swims around for a little while, he dives again into the dark, cold, freezing water. And he goes further and further and further, right to the bottom of the seabed. And then he plunges his hand into the dirt and he grabs hold of that golden bar. And then with all of his might, he swims back up to the top until he gets to the surface, holding the gold bar above his head. Well, C.S. Lewis gave that description of the resurrection. C.S. Lewis turned around and says, Jesus was like that man who takes off his outer garment, takes off his glory, and he dives into the depth of death. Goes to the very bottom of it, and he grabs something valuable, and he brings it back up to the surface. The question is, what was and what is that valuable thing that Jesus retrieved from the grave? I've only got time to give you two of those valuable things that Jesus retrieved. The first thing that he retrieved is a new power. A new power. You know, um, the first thing I want to mention is this power over sin. In fact, the Bible um, calls it the sinful nature. And um, Paul, in his writing, speaks about the sinful nature. Look what Paul says, and Grant quoted this last week, but look what Paul says. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Now this is the Apostle Paul writing. 
This is the guy who uh, evangelized so much of the, the area where God placed him. And he writes down and he says, I do not understand what I do. But what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. In fact, he says, there's an enemy inside of me. There's a rebel inside of me. There's something inside of me that is working against me, he's saying. I do not understand it, but when I want to do something good, I can't do it. He goes on um, to say these words, and he elaborates a little bit more. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Surely this is a reality that many face, even in the church. Not just Paul turning around and saying that. Surely he's speaking on our behalf as well. So many of you here know what Paul is talking about. So many of you here feel it in your own heart. You know that you know, there's things that you know that you should be doing, but you're not doing it. And you know that there's things that you hate and that's the thing that is drawing you. What's going on? This should frustrate you. I'm sure it does. It frustrated Paul. It frustrated him so much. It, was, it caused him to be so concerned about what's going on in him. Frustrated him so much that he cries out, What a wretched man am I? I am so frustrated with myself. I'm not going to just take it as, oh, the matter of course. It's probably my, the genes that I have. Or maybe, you know, it's because of the company I hang around with. Or maybe it's my mum's fault or my dad's fault that I'm the way I am. No, no, no. He's not making any excuse for anything. He turned around and saying, what a wretched man I am. There's nothing good in me. Because even the good is in me. I find myself fighting against it. And he's so frustrated. And he turns around and he says in our Bible, in, in, in Romans, who can rescue me from this body of death? There is someone who can rescue you. Someone who took off his outer garments. Someone who took off his glory. Someone who can rescue you from death. He took out his outer garment and he dived into the grave. Into the depth of the darkness of the grave. And he brought out from that grave the power over sin. Look what Paul turns around and says in, in Romans 6. He turns around and says this. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. You see that word? Slaves to sin. You know, sin is not your friend, you know. Some of you may think, you know, well, you know, a little bit of, you know, dabbling with sin is not bad. A little bit of going astray every now and again is not a white lie is not bad. And we sometimes give nice little terms for sin. Sin is not your friend. Sin makes you a slave. And that you are you have to obey it. 
was in your life, you, you cannot turn around and say, not today. No, when it comes on you, you seem to run to it and obey it. But because of the resurrection, the Bible says, because of Jesus going down into the grave, and he brought out from the grave something of great value. And what he brings out from the grave is the power over sin. In fact, Paul turns around and says this. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. You are able now to turn around and say, I'm not going to obey my evil desires. Why? Because Christ has rose from the dead and given me authority and a power to say no to ungodliness. I was very encouraged. I mean, um, Chris Watson just texted me this day, this day, he said to me, Jerry, I was actually in a, a busy room, a, a packed audience, and it, I was doing a chair in an AA meeting, right, Chris? In an AA meeting, there's lots of people there, and I was telling them that Jesus Christ gave me the power to say no to drugs. God has changed my life. I'm married. I've got children around me. My life is blessed. Why? Because Jesus Christ gave me the strength to do it. The packed audience. These people don't want to hear about Jesus. They want to hear about who the main man is. They want to try, try other avenues, other roads. They don't want to hear about Jesus. But bless God for Chris. He came out straight and he told them straight that Jesus gave me the power and the authority to say no to drugs. In fact, Paul says that, doesn't he? Look what Paul says. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly life in this present age. You see, the grace of God appeared and it teaches us whether you are a drug taker or an alcoholic, whether you're a mother at home looking after your children and you still have bad and evil thoughts or you're gossip or you're a gambler or you have pride or arrogance, whatever sin might be in your life, the grace of God has appeared and it teaches you to say no to ungodliness. It's not going to rule in my life. It's not going to be the boss of me. It's not going to have control of me. I'm going to say no to ungodliness. Why? Because Jesus Christ has poured out his grace into your life. And not only that's a negative to say no to ungodliness, that's a negative. The positive is this. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Positive, but to live self-controlled. Outright lives. Can you imagine that? Self-control. Turn around and say, no, no, I'm not going to allow myself to flare up on the road because somebody cut in front of me. I'm not going to be an ogre in my house and my children is making noise and I'm going to lose my temper in my own home. No, I'm going to have self-control. Why? Because the grace of God is at work in my life. Jesus Christ's resurrection gives me the power to say no to sin. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Well, Peter and John preached the resurrection 
and 5,000 men, not including women and children, 5,000 men came to faith in Christ because Peter was preaching that Jesus rose from the dead. That's my first point. My second and final point, only two points this morning, gives you a new power. Second thing, gives you a new life. This priceless thing that Jesus brought back from the grave. This priceless thing that Jesus went down into the depths. When the tomb was rolled in front. And he was engulfed in darkness. Dead. He went down into death. But came up with power. Bringing with him a new life. Now, I need to take you to the Old Testament for this point. I need to take you over to the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. You know the story. God speaks to Adam, and he says to Adam, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But when you eat from it, you will surely die. Well, you know the story, they did eat that, but they didn't die. Adam and Eve carried on living. They had um, a family, Cain and Abel and other children, and they lived for a long, long time. They didn't die. So what did God, what's God talking about? When God says that you will surely die, what he meant was that they would die in a relationship with him. What he meant was that they would be cut off from his presence. What he meant was that they would have no eternal life with him. They would not be able to see his face. They would not be able to have fellowship with him. They would not be able to walk with him. When he says they will surely die on the day you disobey me, you will surely die. Not in the future, don't you? You carry on living. But right then, you will lose your relationship with me. And I will cut you off right there and then. And you will not see my face. You won't have fellowship with me. You'll be unable to walk with me. The day you disobey me, you will surely die. Now every man born after Adam has the same curse over their lives. Adam could not do anything about it. You and I can do nothing about it. But somebody took off his outer garments. Somebody took off his glory. Somebody laid his authority in heaven down and dived into the grave. Somebody went down into the depth of death. And when he got to the bottom of the grave, he brought up with great power something of immense value. What he brought up was new life. What Adam lost... Jesus recovered. And with his resurrection, this new life has come about. Look what Paul says in Romans 8. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life 
to your mortal bodies because of the spirit who lives in you. You see, this life is not the fact that you're going to carry on living Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. That's going to happen. Tomorrow you'll wake up, God willing, and it'll be a new day and you'll be alive. This verse is not talking about this life. This verse is talking about a relationship with Jesus. A real relationship with God. What Adam lost, where he could not speak to God anymore. God has shut the door, as it were. God has made a chasm, as it were, and said, you stay over there, and I'm going to stay over there. You will never get into my presence, because you disobeyed me. You've lost that, says God to Adam. But Jesus comes, and he comes to bring life, and he comes to restore that. You see, this life that we have now, Monday to Saturday, Monday to Sunday, It's great. It's a great life. Praise God, we have it. But look what Jesus says. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world? Yet your soul is gone. What profit is it to a man to gain everything? To have a lovely family, a lovely home, a lovely holidays in the sun. What profit is it to have the whole world and yet your soul is separated from God for eternity? There's no profit in it at all, says Jesus. But he came that you might have eternal life. Look what Jesus says, these two wonderful verses. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life. In fact, that word has actually means it's not going to start when you die. Some people like to think about it like that. You know, when I die, where would I go? Where you go will determine how you live today. Eternal life does not start when you enter the grave. No, no, no. Eternal life starts today. Listen to what Jesus says. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. As many of you here, you know that you've got eternal life. You look forward to the grave. You say, I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of going into the ground. I'm looking forward to it. Why don't the Lord take me today, some of you are saying? Because you're looking forward to that resurrection and to be in his presence. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. But here another verse. Jesus is speaking. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. The resurrection, my dear friends of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus when he went down into the depths, that crucifixion, the pain and the suffering, when he cried out, into your hands I commit my spirit, when he breathed his last and went into the ground, into the grave, he didn't stay there. You see, the resurrection is so fundamentally important that he brings not only new life to him tremendously, wonderfully, he's in glory right now, but he brings new life into every single person who puts their faith in Jesus now. 
the prophet says, Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is accepted time. Don't wait till I'm in my deathbed, about to die, and say, oh, Jesus, come into my life. It'd be too late. How you live today determines where you will go. And you can be assured today that if you love Jesus, if you said in your heart, Jesus, forgive me, I'm so wretched. There's so much things in me that I'm not happy about. There's so many things in me I'm not pleased about. But oh God, you know what a wretched man, what a wretched woman I am. Will you please deliver me and give me the power to say no to ungodliness? And he will say, yes, I have given you the power. I've rose from the dead. Will you give me the grace, Lord Jesus, to have a new life? Yes, I have given you new life. I've rose again from the dead. You can have new power, new life because of what Jesus Christ has done Peter and John preached they could have preached about anything they wanted to preach about but they preached in Jesus the resurrection of the dead and 5,000 men, not counting women and children, were added to the church Will you be added to the church of Jesus Christ? Will you turn around and say, I'm not content with the life that I'm living, always being obe- always obeying sin, always being dragged around by my sinful nature. I'm not content by that. I want to have power over my sinful nature. Jesus Christ can give you that. I want a new life. Not just a change of circumstance here and now, going to church on a Sunday morning. No, I want a new life. A life that is ending up in the presence of God. Jesus Christ rose from the dead so you can have that new life. Glory to God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much that you sent Jesus He was willing to lay aside his glory. Lay aside his Godhead. Lay aside his authority in heaven. And he came down. Spent a few years around. Moving around men. Teaching and speaking. Healing the sick. Raising the dead. Doing the miraculous things that only you can do, oh God. He did it on this earth. And then he died on that cross. Went into the grave. And praise be to your glorious name. Death could not hold him. The grave could not keep him. And he came out with something valuable that we need in our lives. We need power over sin, oh God. And we need a new life. Oh, may many here know something of that power and something of that new life. For Jesus' sake I pray. Amen.